Hi, I'm Tammy Gross, the scriptpreneur. Welcome to Real Life Stories, where difference makers come to share their Hollywood-worthy transformation stories. I love interviewing people who've faced a mountain, overcome it the hard way, and figured out a solution to help the rest of us conquer that same mountain. Because when we share our stories, we change lives. I have a very, very special guest here today. His name is Joe Petrosky, and he is, well, he goes by the name of Profound Power Joe, and you'll know why. Joe's mission is to support people in feeling and knowing their superpowers and live the life they may have never dreamed. As a psychic coach and healer, Joe can see your best and the other stuff that holds you back. He helps you build on the good and eliminate the other because Joe believes you deserve to truly live the dream. Welcome, Joe, I'm so glad you could join me. Well, thank you, uh, thanks for the opportunity. You have such an incredible story and it has such a wonderful theme. I won't even say what it is because people will know as soon as you start uh, getting into it. But you have, you have really been on, I mean, a lot of people that I talk to have been on a journey, but you've really, really, really been on a journey. <laughs> and I don't even want to tell you where to start. I mean, you know your story, but I, I just take us back to where things kind of began that put you on a path that took you to where you are now as profound power Joe. Okay. Well, in 1999, the doctors actually sent me home to die. Um, I was working with some really, really good doctors. I had a very unusual condition. The Mayo Clinic, they didn't even want to see uh, me. They, and they told me to wish me well on my remaining days. Uh, the doctors had been working with me for over six and a half years. Uh, uh, for almost two of that, I was on oxygen. And the illness was horrible. It was really scary. Um, at times, I would uh, lose the ability to tell myself what I'm seeing. So like on the screen, I wouldn't be able to say that you're a human being. I wouldn't, and even if I knew you, I wouldn't be able to say, oh, that's Tammy. My brain didn't have that ability to decipher that. And so it was a very, did they, very... Did, did they have a name for this? Did at they the end, tell you at, what it was? At the end, they called me a universal reactor. And what a u universal reactor basically is that everything that I ate, everything that touched my skin, everything that I breathed, um, my body attacked it. My body thought it, thought it was killing me. And so my body was in hyperdrive. And so, um, so that's why I was emaciated. Um, and I had to have the oxygen in order to have more pure air uh, than quote unquote contaminated air because every everyday regular air, air excuse me, uh, would make it so I would lose my vision. And one of the worst things about it is that when the blood flow was getting off, cut off to a certain part of my brain, I would say horrible, unreasonable things to people that I loved and respected. And I would have no idea what I said. And so and you, like, and you had no idea though. I mean, you kind of, I, I made you skip to the end a little bit. I made you kind of sure. give away something by, by asking that. But, but that was my point is that, is that you didn't even know that that's what was happening. I mean, you just right. knew that you had the symptoms, but you didn't mm -hmm. even have like a cause. You're like wondering, am I just a horrible person? And I mean, I can just only imagine. So take us back, sure. I, since I made you skip forward, sure. take us yeah. back to how you were feeling before you even figured that out. 
Well, when I was uh, young, I was beat um, uh, extremely as a kid. Um, I, and when my dad and my mom would beat me, they would yell and scream at me and tell me how I was defective, why couldn't I be like everybody else, what was wrong with you? Um, and they you know, ingrained that in me. And so when I caught this illness and I started to do that and I started to say horrible things to people I loved and all these different things, I thought, holy shit, maybe they're right. Maybe I really am this defective bad apple. And I carried that with me. And um, what it was is I had made a pact. I was in um, two different groups uh, for people with chronic illness. And one of my friends said, hey, Joe, we know that you're the next to die. Um, we know that. And we also know that it might get to the point where you may take your life. And so I want you to make a pact with me that when you get to that point that you will call me up and I won't try and talk you out of it, but I, I want you to call me up. And so I can tell your daughter, you know, what was going on. And so it got to that point. It got to that point. I had it all oh set my. up. Um, and so I called her and um, I said, um, you know, I said, this is what's going on. And um, so uh, she said, Joe, let me read 13 lines out of this book. And I says, yeah, whatever, go for it. Because I didn't care. The knife was there. I was ready to do it. And so she read the 13 lines out of this book, and it talked about every symptom that I had. It talked about the vision. It talked about saying these horrible, atrocious things and not having any ability to control it, let alone know that I was doing it. And so I called up one of my doctors and I said, I need to come in. And he says, hey, Joe, there's nothing we can do. You know, you're going to die. We understand that. And I said, no, no, no. I said, I need to come in. And uh, so he says, OK, come in tomorrow morning. So I brought that book in and I gave him the book and I says, is this me? And he says, well, yeah, we've known that all along. And I said, um, you never told me. He said, it, I get emotional thinking about it. He started to cry. He says, what do you mean we never told you? And I says, you guys never did this test. There was one test that they could have taken. But what happened back in those days, um, you know, when companies would be always searching for the best deal for insurance, you would get different insurances every single year. And so I would have different doctors and, you know, and I had to go back and forth between that. And luckily, these two doctors were with me for a long time, but um, they never did that test. And he started to cry and he says, oh my God, he says, what have you been thinking? And I told him and I says, I've been thinking that I was this horrible bad egg and I, that there was that my dad was really right and he started to cry and I was just and for me it was a vindication it was like thank god I'm not defective I'm not I'm not this horrible bad creature you know I'm not a bad egg I'm not rotten I don't deserve to be thrown back you know and for me that was hellacious you know because like a, every, everything that was good in me was beat and screamed out of me um, I had it at home um, went to catholic school there was none that you know started it there and you know it's one of those things when you go to catholic school you're stuck with everybody for eight years and so um, I it was horrible and so when I got sick I tried everything that every doctor every chiropractor every nutritionist every psychologist every psychiatrist the biofeedback I tried everything and nothing worked I was getting sicker and sicker I was getting skinnier and skinnier I was becoming allergic and I would get sick from more and more things um, and you know the last year uh, that I was ill it was the scariest thing ever because for me, um, at least flowers were safe and I loved lilacs. And so I love lilacs and, you know, different things. Well, that spring um, lilacs made me lose my vision. Mm. 
And um, and so just think, I'm, I, I walk uh, two, you know, two and a half houses down and I go there because I know the lilacs there. I, I go there to smell the lilacs. And it's just like, you know, because not only was my vision gone, but it was also the orientation. I was just like, how do, how do I get home? How do I get home? And I'm just sitting there and I'm just looking around and I'm looking around and it's just like, okay, that's right. The big gray house, the big gray house. We have the biggest, we had a huge house. And it was just like, that's it. That's it. And I was, but did I come in the back door or the front door? And I was just like, but, you know, I went there and I felt around the house, you know, and, and um, got up and, you know, found the doorknob and I got in there and, you know, and I stayed. But it was it was horribly dreadful because the one thing that was the safest thing for me to be able to still enjoy because perfumes would blind me instantly, send me into a fitful of this horrible, you know, speaking and rage. Um, and, you know, and a lot of them would give me horrible physical pains, horrible, horrible physical pains. Um, you know, um, most foods made me incredibly sick. If I had oregano, I'd hallucinate, you know, um, if I had peas, it was like, I was kicked in the back. Um, you know, so the, um, they said that it was going to get worse and worse and worse. And they said, you know, you have to get used to the idea that you're probably going to take your own life. And it's just like, how the hell do you get used to something like that? You know, I mean, really? I just, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, and um, when I went to the social security hearing to be able to prove that I wasn't able to work, the psychologist that worked for social security, he came and the judge said, you don't need to be here. You must have something important to say. And he says, yeah, he says, your honor. He says, I am very, very concerned for Mr. Petrosky. He has this absolutely unrealistic expectation that he's going to live. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, you know, then he looked at me, he turned to me and he says, Mr. Petrosky says, you're going to die and it's going to be relatively soon. And he says, and you need to get to peace with the idea that you may take your own life. And I'm just sitting there. And so when you have all these people telling you that you're going to die and you're yeah. going to kill yourself, it's just like, you know, and it's, I grew up my whole life thinking I was unusual and I was crazy because of all the beatings and shit. And so now I'm sitting right. there and it's like, I'm, I'm the only one that thinks I'm going to live. <laughs> And, you know, and they, they had literally all of the tests, you know, which were half sheets of paper. Um, my medical file was almost an inch and a half thick of all of the tests that they had run over that six and a half years. And so all the evidence was proving that I was going to be dead shortly. Uh, the fact that I was so damn skinny. I mean, you could see the cartilage on my nose. You could see my ribs, the difference between the cartilage and the bone of my ribs. Uh, my hips looked like elephant ears. Um, and so it was a horrible illness. Um, but I kept on going, I kept on going and I kept on praying, you know, it's like, and, you know, I told God he could go, you know, uh, have fun with himself. Because, <laughs> you know, I felt sure. it was just like, he didn't have in my back when I was a kid, you know, and now he's not having my back now, you know? And so I thought I was really telling him off. And I think that in reality, it was kind of my prayer of Job. If anybody knows what that means, they understand. Oh it. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so I kept on trying and I was in a support group for people with chronic illness. And so a different friend called me up one day and said, Joe, there's this fantastic healer in town and he's helping our friends, you know? And I was like, really? I was like, you know, and nobody was as sick as I was, unfortunately, but he was helping other people. And I was just like, dang. And so she said, you know, you got to come see him. You got to come see him. And I says, well, when's he in town? And so she named the dates and I was like, I can't go. Um, I was going through a really nasty divorce and they were using my illness to keep my daughters away from me. 
And so I couldn't have any, I couldn't miss any time being with them because they were going to dock at me and all that. And so I said, the only day that I can go is Thursday. And she goes, well, the last day is Monday. I said, I can't go. And so Monday night, 1030 at night, uh, she calls me up and she says, Joe, they added a Thursday. I sat up in bed and was like, okay, okay, I'm going, I'm going, you know, because I was praying for something This supposedly is going to help. It ends up being available on the only day that I could go. And so I went and I watched this man help people that I knew. And it was just like, you know, they would walk off the stage without a walker, you know, or they would, you know, say that their pains were, you know, less or gone. And it's like, wow. So I went up to him at the end and normally I give everybody their peace and their space, but I'm fighting for my life. So I I eavesdrop on everybody that was there. Finally, it was my turn and 14 and 14 had always been my lucky number. I was a 14th. And, um, and I told him and I would get this horrible pain on my shoulder that was like I got stabbed. Um, and that would let me know that I was going to soon start talking horribly. And I was soon going to lose my vision. And he made this pain go away almost instantly. And I looked at him. And he says, well, you can do this too. And I looked and I'm like, you know, um, you're crazy. Um, but, you know, without saying a word, he looked at me and with his eyes, he says, yes, you can. And so I went to him and his students. And after the second hour uh, session, um, I no longer needed the oxygen. And after the third, I was completely healthy. And I mean, I was skinny as <laughs> skinny as skinny could be, but I could see, I could see. And, I, you know, um, I went for a bike ride for the first time and I don't know how long and it was so freeing not to be because part of my thing was I, was I would get really really dizzy and I you know stuff like that and I, I right. they wanted to give me a walker and I'm like I'm not gonna take a walker <laughs> no, but my wife at the time she goes take the walker she goes you have furniture in between your chair and the bathroom and we all have to walk away from the furniture she goes if you had a walker you could and I like I couldn't so I just put different chairs that would allow me to get to the bathroom but um, I was better. So I trained with this guy and um, I quickly became one of his best teachers. Um, and um, after three and a half years, he gave me the master's certification in Chinese energy healing. And, um, uh, and um, during that time, I also had the wonderful fortune of being able to sit with Native Americans. And there was an elder there that saw that I had these gifts as well. I, like I said, everything really? that was, yeah, anything that was, in me was beat and screamed out. So I didn't know right. I had, I didn't know I had these psychic gifts. I didn't know that I could, um, I always felt odd and I always felt different and I would not trust people and things like that. But I never yeah. knew that, I never knew that it was really intuitive based. And so and this was I, all what, about 20 years ago when this all kind of started, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that when I got better, I got better in, uh, I got better in 2001. And so it's been yeah, 20, so, 21 yeah, years. 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so when I sat with the Native American, he, you know, he was such an empath that he would just see and he would look and he would feel. And as he would, I could feel what he was feeling and I could see the energy in the trees. I could see the energy in the rocks. I could feel it. And that's when people that had passed away started to show up as well. And so between the Chinese way and the Native American way, I picked those up. And then for me, when I realized that I could do this, um, I, I could have gone back to the construction stuff because that's what I did before I got sick and my clients wanted me back. Um, but I felt like if I did anything other than the energy healing, I'd be kicking God in the teeth. Um, you don't have this kind of a gift 
without doing it. And so, um, yeah, I can read everybody just like that. I don't, unless they ask me, um, I'm not, mm -hmm. I think that your stuff is like your diary and I don't get to look unless you ask. And then even if you ask me, what I do is I only want to see what I need to see, feel what I need to feel and hear what I need to hear. And then only right. say the words that you need to hear. And so most of the time people say, what do you see? And it's like, well, I don't know. I don't see anything. I just feel it, <laughs> you know, um, because yeah. if, if we can clear it without you having to relive it, I'm all for that. And if there's any message that needs to come through, it will. And I'll tell you what that is, you know, um, and, um, you know, that's very profound because a lot of people want to just like, you know, have you tell them everything. And of course that's not what they need, but also mm -hmm. what makes it, at least in my opinion, the way I'm seeing it is that, you know, while you were mad at God and you had, mm -hmm sight taken away you had ha, things happen with fragrances and odors that did things to you and and horrible words and everything it was like preparatory work because it's like you have to learn how to see without seeing sure. you need to mm -hmm. learn how to how to uh how to communicate without the right words or without the right without without uh your own self being in the way and everything i mean sure. all the mm -hmm. horribleness that you went through kind of prepared you so that you could actually help others and that mm -hmm. is just yeah. so amazing yeah wow. when people when people come in and they say well you you probably don't know what this was like or whatever i was like well actually i do <laughs> i mean there's yeah. very, there's very very little that people could experience that i didn't experience you know and in so, some form or another exactly yeah, in some relatable yeah. form yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, so it definitely has helped me with the compassion, uh, the compassion, and then the patience. Um, you know, um, uh, because when I look at people, I understand you know how they're fighting and how they're struggling, and and it's something I was just talking the first person that I work with this morning. Um, I told her, I said, "Hey, I said everything that you know has gotten you to here. If you want to get past here, you got to forget everything that you know, because you're yeah. diligent, you're smart, you're tenacious." and you're still incredibly sick. So let's forget everything that you think you know, and let's see where we can go. And when we do that, um, you know, it, it's amazing what ends up happening. And um, when I first started to be able to do it, and I would, um, what ended up happening is I started to work on people that my mentor worked on, and he couldn't help them, and, and I could. And that was the guy that saved my life. <laughs> you know wow. and so it started to blow my mind like crazy and so i went went to my minister one day and i said hey man i says i need to talk he says okay cool so he says hey before we do you know before you talk can you read something for me and and then i'll be able to concentrate and i'm just like well okay this is my dime and you know you gotta you know you can't concentrate and so he gave me and then he gave me the bible and it was john 14 12 and which is basically if you believe like me these things and greater than these things you shall do and i look and he's got his hands like that and he's like, you want to talk about anything else <laughs> and for me what that means is um that i know that the gift you know comes from creator spirit god however you want to say it um, and when I look at it, you know, what Christ was saying was basically is no judgment, no judgment and basic, simple love. If you can come with simple love and no judgment, then everything is possible. And that's, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that, I'm telling you this, this is like, this is mind blowing. I wish we had like a couple more hours actually, that we get to. but you've gotten to a place where now you are helping people, but you're also helping them help themselves too oh, in, God, yeah. in, in yeah. different mm -hmm. ways. And so 
I know that you have, uh, and tell us a little bit about it. I don't know if it's like a workbook or what, what it is, but you have something called power positions. Instantly increase your energy and intuition that you want to give to the audience today. Yes. So what, yeah. is, what is this? And so over the years, I've seen things that people can do absolutely instantly that will um, increase their physical power, their emotional power, and their spiritual connection. And mm -hmm. um, w the very first movement in there is just a set of movements. And it's so profound that every single athlete, every single one, you know, uh, God, over the 18 years, 19 years that I've been talking about this, mm -hmm. every single athlete has been able to improve their physical performance. And so we will test them. We'll put cash down and they'll win the competition. And then I'll have them do this one set of movements and every athlete can outdo what they just did to win cash. So it's, if it's that powerful, it's like, you know, just think what it can do for you. And so, Absolutely. yeah, and the Nova Southeastern University um, women's volleyball team, they called it the Google movement because when they, when they did that movement, they realized that it increased their intuition just like that. And so they called it the Google movement. And so I, I've and as it, a volleyball player, I know that intuition actually is very helpful because you have to anticipate things that are coming at you and everything. Wow. That yeah. is so, so cool. Um, okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to put your, your information in the, in the uh, show notes so that, sure. you know, mm -hmm. people can get this and, and can uh, connect with you. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling you'll, be hearing from some people yeah that. and also with that they can um ask me for uh -huh. a complimentary discovery session because a lot of Excellent. what i talk about is so extreme people think is it going to work for me and so they can ask me all the questions that they'd like yeah. excellent well I'm, I'm making note of that that will definitely be in the show notes as well well unfortunately uh we are out of time but i always have that last question and uh answer it just however you want but if money were not an issue Mm -hmm. How would you live out your legacy? Um, if money weren't an issue, I'd grab my girlfriend and I'd say, let's go for a walk around the world. And what I would do is literally just walk and explore and see. And then I would, you know, see the people that seem to need a healing. And I would ask him, it's like, because I don't believe that, you know, I don't believe in coming up and saying, I have a message for you. It's like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. I'll ask if people want. And then I would just go around and just, you know, heal the people that I see and, you know, different things like that and just give people readings because I love giving readings. Re readings are so darn easy and so fun and it always raises everybody's vibration around. So I would yeah. just, you know, go and travel and explore and, you know, have fun doing it. So Well, there might be a TV show someday that uh, maybe someday soon, who knows, that has, mm. that has cameras following you doing exactly that that is so cool and i just want to you know just thank you again this has been great i know people are going to want to contact you about this and uh before we leave i just want to make sure that you get the last word it, you know anything that you feel like uh anybody who's listening really needs to hear from you right now well the profoundly living um instead of it just being a company name it's literally you know people will see i have literature where my arms are up in the air Okay. My daughter didn't know me healthy until she was five and a half years old. I was dying the entire time she was alive. And so when I started to not be able to use oxygen, she would throw her arms up in the air, daddy, daddy, no oxygen. And, you know, after a while, I, was like, I realized if I'm not able to throw my arms up in the air and say, I'm living a great life, I think I'm doing it wrong. And so profoundly living is, is my gift, but it's also my challenge. It's like, do you want to be living an absolute excellent life, an amazing life, a life that you can say, this is awesome. 
because you know what it's like. I mean, so many people are Groundhog's Day, same shit, different day. You know, they say they're living the dream and you ask them, how is it a dream? And it's like, well, you know, I have money and I have two houses and, you know, but they're not feeling that spark within themselves. So that's what I want people to do is I want them to realize how awesome they really, really are and to be able to feel that within themselves every day. I love it. Thank you so much, Joe. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you. This has been fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me for another real life story. Be sure to visit the link in the show notes to get today's free goodies. My name is Tammy Gross, number one best-selling international author and multi-award winning screenwriter. Do you have a transformation story? Wondering if it's Hollywood worthy? I'd love to know about it. So go to Facebook or Instagram at Scriptpreneur and let me know your real life story. When you share your story, you change lives. 